0: What's up, buds?
1: Drink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young. And uh, after a little bit of a hiatus, which uh, had to do with uh, some personal health issues, uh, I am back doing j Drink Radio. And I figure uh, no one better to welcome me back from a bit of a pause than Samantha Pell, a longtime friend of the podcast. So uh, Samantha, how are you doing today?
0: Doing good. You know, just kind of getting through it. Finally going to get back to some games here after a long stretch of none. So yeah, happy to be back.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I guess they have like, what, like two games upcoming or whatever. And then they have another massive stretch off, which I'm, I, I would imagine is because of COVID, but it's gotta, gotta, gotta be kind of just annoying to have to deal with as a beat writer. You're kind of, I would imagine out of the groove a little bit, huh?
0: Yeah. It's definitely kind of weird. I mean, this last week, you know, the Montreal game was postponed in Montreal. The team is supposed to have like an extra off day there before they kind of did this back to back. And then they kind of just have their three straight practice days and, then next week as well, they're going to have another stretch of like four days off where they have to try to fill up kind of the space and either do practice or days off. So it's definitely a really weird schedule. And I'm sure it's just way different than everyone's used to.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, we'll, we'll get into, you know, I have a question kind of later about how it's going to impact the uh, the players and everything like that, having all this up and down. But I think before we get into that, just I was curious about some updates from the last couple of days because the uh, Caps have been battling both. COVID and non-COVID injury or a COVID and non-COVID illnesses. Uh, so I guess like maybe let's start with um, Orlov or uh, Dmitry Orlov, who I think left practice, uh, but it seems like was back. And, you know, I, I don't know, kind of curious about your your status with him because he's kind of interesting because if he's back and Theravari is back, which it looks like Ferivari is, then we finally get this kind of six stable uh, defensemen that Laviolette's
0: been wanting all year yeah absolutely with orlov you know he was back at practice uh today i guess i'm trying to think what day it is thursday <laughs> he was back <laughs> at practice on thursday uh after missing wednesday's practice because of that upper body injury and we talked to him after practice today and he basically said he was fine he felt good he kind of just joked about the injury just said he needed some rest um clearly that was not the case but uh he seems good to go I, you know obviously trainers doctors will take a look at him before the game uh against st louis on friday but Everything seems good there. Um, I guess in terms of Samsonov, too, he was another player that was hurt a couple days ago. It seemed like he just kind of left the ice in a little bit of discomfort at the end of practice. But Peter Laviolette said Thursday that Orlov and Samsonov should be good to go, obviously, barring anything unexpected in the next day.
1: Which, uh, of course, you know, particularly with with Samsonov and COVID, right? you know, like you right. would, wouldn't rule anything out. But uh, but yeah, so ho- hopefully you can dodge it this time, I guess. But uh, all right. So so that was that was helpful with Samsonov. Um, I, I guess I would imagine that VTech would probably get a start against St. Louis. Right. You know, given the kind of weirdness with Samsonov, or do you kind of just think, oh, it's like it's all systems go for for both of them?
0: Yeah, I, I think VTech is actually interesting because I keep on forgetting that he was in COVID protocol Yes, uh, for such a long time. And I, I don't know, I think we saw it with Samsonov when he was in COVID protocol uh, a couple of times. He took a lot of time to come back. And, you know, whether that was the fatigue and the physical factors of, you know, sitting in your room for whatever it was originally the 14 days um, that yeah. takes a toll on you. And with V I mean, it was 10, he didn't get kind of the shortened five of some of the guys that are getting now. So I think with him, you know, maybe he does need more time. Levillat seemed to think that he would be good to go uh, for these games if needed, but there's nothing, you know, pretty firm there. I know the team called up for to the taxi squad. So obviously he's an option there as well, but I would say it seems like everyone's good to go. Um, but again, I mean, they could be playing it really safe this weekend too. Sure, sure,
1: sure. That makes sense. And, uh, I guess the, uh, the next kind of order of business to go after is, uh, TJ uh, Oshi and Nicholas Backstrom. I almost mixed up the names a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> both both had illnesses that were not COVID. It seems like, right? I guess Backstrom classified it as the flu. So, are we expecting them to go? You know, to go to St. Louis. Obviously, that's Oshi's kind of former former team and everything like that. Although, like, he's been there a number of times since. It's probably not that big of a deal for him. But, like, right? I mean, are we are we expecting them in St. Louis? Like, kind of, what's the status with uh, Backstrom and Oshi?
0: Yeah, that's another uh, great question that I don't have firm answers to. <laughs> that's okay. Um, at, at the time today after practice, Peter Laviolette really couldn't even tell us if either were traveling on um, this two-game road trip, which is never a great sign. I mean, both were out all week because of this kind of flu situation. Laviolette even went as far to say both are at different stages kind of in their return. So it sounds like one player might be – better than the other and at this point we really don't know who that is uh you know with Backstrom he's been in and out of the lineup I mean so much right like he didn't play for the majority of the season he comes back for a game ends up on the COVID list and then comes back plays two games ends up with the flu so really like his body I mean physically has to be taking a huge hit um I'm sure mentally it's tough as well and then with Oshie he's also been battling the injuries and uh you know now the non-COVID situation so I think honestly I have no clue who's actually gonna be in the lineup tomorrow, who was even on the team playing today. Uh, but I have a feeling that one of them is gonna play tomorrow.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess I guess kind of that's that's a fitting kind of comment with my last uh injury question, which is kind of the the quote unquote catch all category, right? Of uh, you know, it's I'm I'm kind of curious, uh you know, we're at a point now. I, I, I think I heard that Carl Haglin, right, uh, was like in street clothes. Was was the rumor today? Um, I guess I'm kind of curious. Like, is there any other player that I should watch out for that they're they're like that they've been battling? Or you know, it's it's I, I, honestly, honestly Samantha being out a little bit. It's been hard to kind of keep track with all of the things <laughs> that have been going on with their roster.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Today, I mean, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Carlson, and Haglin all took maintenance days. Oh yeah. Um, according to the team. So, I mean, when you look at it like that, it seems like you know there's no issues there. Laviolette said he just didn't want some of these guys who have been taking a lot of minutes uh, practicing three straight days, and Carl Haglin was, I guess, thrown in the mix of those other three.
1: Sure. Um,
0: so yeah, that situation we really don't have any clarity on, but it seemed like again. At this point, Laviolette said everything's fine. They should be, you know, kind of good to go this weekend. But really, as we've seen all season with the Caps, it seems like everything's fine one day and you wake up the next morning and it's a completely different situation than you thought it was.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, okay, so... I want to take a step back from all of this. Uh, you know, I had I had categories of uh, updates on the craziness and then what has the craziness done to their play? And I guess I'm kind of curious about that and kind of your your perspective, because I mean, the Caps from, I think, a kind of team wide standpoint, you know, before all of this kind of craziness started a few weeks ago, they've been plugging along. Right. I mean, they had been, I think, playing reasonably well. And um I, you know, then all the kind of COVID stuff starts NHL wide really. And uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to look at these games that they've been playing lately and know whether they take them super seriously or not given just the instability in throughout, you know, throughout the lineup. So I guess kind of like, what do you think this craziness has done to their play? And do we take these last few games seriously?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so hard to judge because I feel like even when, the Caps are facing so much adversity and the craziness, and you had all the young kids making their debuts. Like, it felt like this team was still really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the question of, you know, is this sustainable? Like, there was just basically a waiting game to get all their veteran guys back. And since they've gotten most of their veteran guys back, it, for some reason, at least to me, maybe the play has dropped off. Yeah. And I don't exactly know why. Maybe it's just kind of this weird midseason lull, the pause, COVID. Um, everything kind of back to back, but it seems like maybe they're in this little lull that needs help. The power play obviously needs a lot of help. Yes. Uh, you have players like Connor McMichael who are not getting a lot of minutes. Daniel Sprong. I'm not sure exactly where his slot in the lineup is, if at all, moving forward. Um, you know, the defense has obviously gotten messed up <laughs> with all the yes. COVID stuff. So oddly, even though they're almost close to a full lineup, it, they don't really seem like the team that they were maybe a couple months ago, uh, but then again, you look at the standings and there they are at the top. So who am I yeah. to really judge that? Um, <laughs> yeah. They're still collecting. Yeah, I don't know. They're still collecting points and they need to collect points. Um, it it just seems like they aren't as dominant when they're doing so.
1: Well, because and and the interesting thing, right, is that the you know the capitals, if you look at kind of years past, they've they've had lulls. It's uh I actually think one of our first appearances with you on was talking about a caps lull. Um, you know, because they they typically uh get a huge division lead, which again, they, they don't have a huge division lead this year, but what they do have this year is a huge lead on getting a playoff spot. Last time mm-hmm. I looked, I think it was like they had a 15-point lead or something on Detroit. So like functionally you would you would basically say the Caps are a playoff team at this point right so it's kind of like you know on one hand you would say okay this is a veteran team they have a 15 point lead on a playoff spot it doesn't seem like they particularly care who they would play in the playoffs which are still four months away like you know maybe this is just a lull from a veteran team but at the same time you've also had all this COVID craziness so I guess it's kind of a tough balance, right. To say exactly analytically what's been the kind of root cause behind their downturn in play, which I've seen too.
0: Right. Yeah. I just think it overall, I think it has to be just like the personnel and maybe it feels like the theme of the last couple of games just been like, has adversity finally like cut up to you guys? Like, has it finally cracked because you were doing so well throwing in players left and right. And then it seemed like the pause just really threw everyone for a loop. But I think the pause, at least for the Caps, came at a time where maybe they could have started building on something. You think of the Philly game, the New York, the Isles games, like those two games could have been more wins. And then you have all the Canadian games kind of being pushed around. And So, yeah, I, I think at this point, it's just hard to judge. And it seems like we're kind of starting fresh again. And. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're starting fresh from a great place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And speaking of kind of deterioration of play, it seems like the the kind of trend lately for the Capitals, uh, at least the last couple of games has been spotting teams leads uh, only to come back. This happened the last couple of games uh, kind of dramatically with uh, the devil's game where you would really say the Capitals were kind of just gifted a goal in a game. They, they probably did not deserve mm-hmm. to even get a point after. Uh, I would imagine uh, Peter Laviolette is probably not thrilled with that development. No.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. Um, it seems like at different points this season, they've had kind of those, oh, like, I mean, I think of the Carolina game. Uh, um, I think they were up 2-0. Carolina comes back. Dimitri Orlov has kind of the game winner. I think that was the last power play goal that wasn't Alex Ovechkin. Yep, that is correct. Uh, was that Carolina game? So And it was kind of a weird like goal,
1: if I remember, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was, a, it was a very weird goal. Um, and I just remember that game as kind of being the start of the, Oh, the caps are blowing leads in the third situation and they kind of continue to do it. And it's being brought up again and again. And honestly, I feel like as long as I've covered the caps for the last three seasons, it's kind of been a theme of, you know, that the caps maybe come out. I think Nick Dowd said it this year where they're kind of bored. Um, and they maybe don't take an opponent as seriously as they should, And then all of a sudden, um, you know, they're kind of either behind or they get ahead by luck. And then in the third, it kind of turns south again. So I, I just think it's a struggle for this team to maybe stay engaged for the 60 minutes, which sounds so easy and cliche. Uh, for some reason it, it just seems to happen on random nights for no reason
1: yeah 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 and i mean with a with a team like we said with a lot of veterans that you know they they've been to the playoffs and kind of done this a number of times you know it's uh it can be tough although you know i think with maybe I don't know it's tough too because like I think the last really this year I think has felt like the Ovechkin goal chase to Gretzky feels like kind of a Mm -hmm. thing that's in the back of everyone's mind almost every night now so I don't know like I mean is does the team at all stress any motivation from that kind of thing or is it still like a they're not going to talk about that kind of thing and just kind of focus on the overall play
0: yeah I feel like it was definitely a focus I'd say like at the beginning of the season and everyone's, you know, asking about Gretzky's record and can he do it? And then when Alex kind of starts to get hot and he's, you know, chasing all these records again and breaking them and almost now to Yager, like, I feel like it's just a normal common thing. It sounds very odd, but (laughs) I feel like for the It's remarkable,
1: right? He's passing like Yarmir Yager and it's like, oh yeah, Yeah. that's just another guy, you know, it's fine. It's just another record.
0: Right, exactly. And I feel like when, you know, the caps think about it, they're like, oh, yeah, like that's what like Ovi does. Like he goes, he scores goals. He's like a leader for our team. Like they expect it. So mm-hmm. I really don't think it's as much of a distraction as maybe people would think it is. I just think it's your captain needs to score goals and he just happens to be Alex Ovechkin, who just happens to be chasing uh, Wayne Gretzky's record. Yeah, um, But yeah, I think it's definitely, it's a main point of the season. It's always going to be a main point of this season and it will be in, until he retires
1: absolutely absolutely all right well kind of getting back to the ice a little bit uh so if Dmitry orlov is back uh are, are we expecting the the kind of the stable deep pairs of faravari carlson orlov jensen and uh T.V.R. and Schultz back, and uh, if we are, uh, what what has what has kind of been without those pairs meant to the Caps? Because it seems like you know going really before kind of the COVID craziness and T.V.R. first being the guy to go out. That you know that this had been kind of a, a group of six that the Caps had been pretty stable on. So uh, kind of yeah, How do, what do you think it, the the effect could be of getting all of them back?
0: Yeah, I mean I think it'd be really great for a team that probably needs that stability. I think. They really depended on that uh, for basically the entire part of the first half of the season or whatever quarter part of the season um, that we're at uh, just because of all the movement um, up front with all the guys being out and the injuries and backstrom and uh, they really depended on guys like Carlson and Farivari and Orlov and Jensen and they had all of these strong pairs that they could finally trust at any point uh, in the game they kind of lost that in these last few weeks so i don't really think it's super important i think maybe what's interesting is who'd be the seventh guy um yeah. just because yeah. Kepney's come up you know obviously laviolette trusts Irwin. i don't think cheloski is in that mix but i am kind of curious about who would be the first guy um kind of up off the bench for them if Orlov couldn't go
1: yeah i'm kind of, I'm kind of curious what you what you think about uh Kepney's kind of return too because i mean from a analytics nerd guy you know and uh, you know I, I wasn't super impressed maybe with his return but it mm-hmm. seems like people like were, were higher on him maybe than than I would have thought so I don't know kind of kind of what did you see about Kempney's play kind of w- with a few games that he's been back
0: yeah I mean I, I think I've liked it overall I think you know I asked Lavi a lot about him the other day I asked if you know Kempney's kind of done enough to be a full-time NHL guy again and Lavila basically said, you know, he's played well. He can you know, he came up, he did his job, but he doesn't see the six changing. You know, he likes what he has. That sure. um, doesn't mean that he couldn't be a seventh. But I, I think at this point, companies I it's just hard to tell if he could be above Erwin in terms of the trust and the confidence from the coaching staff just because of the ties of Erwin and LaViolette from you know their Nashville days and how he's been around the team more than Kempney but I do think he probably deserves a shot he hasn't made any kind of you know blatant errors or anything that you know maybe we did see during preseason or in the past so I think for now he you know he earned his spot up for these few games and Once everyone's healthy again, it's probably right that he is seven or eight. Um, But at this point, it kind of looks like he's eight.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, uh, you know, it's, I would imagine too, if you're La Violette, Erwin probably a safer guy to have as a 70, right? You know, someone who's yep. probably a little more defensively stable can be, mm-hmm. you know, when he's playing at 100%, he's, uh, he can, he can play very good defense, I would say, but kind of more of an on the ice kind of, you know, skating and uh, kind of rushing guy. So you know, maybe Irwin having him as a 70, just from a kind of role standpoint, might make a little more sense, no?
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, again, just because Erwin's been around the team more this year and he's he obviously like knows the systems left and right. And he I feel like he's kind of the more veteran guy in that sense that Laviolette would kind of turn to and trust you more at this yeah, that point. Makes sense.
1: That makes sense. All right. So I have two. Uh... <laughs> two kind of more i won't say negative questions but a little more you know kind of die not dire that's also strong but may, you know maybe a little <laughs> more kind of downcasty questions so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna ask one we're gonna take a break and then i'm gonna ask the other so uh i think i'm gonna start with the capitals power play which uh it has been horrible like i think it's safe to say right it has been genuinely horrible i've i've done analytics dives into it it's looked just as bad from a kind of deep dive, you know, shot generation standpoint as it just kind of has percentages wise in terms of overall conversion rate. So I think Samantha, I've been kind of crowdsourcing why I think <laughs> their power play has been so bad. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious your, your contribution to that, kind of what, what do you think is going on with their power play right now?
0: I, it's, I feel like it changes every night that I watch them. Um, I really just feel like most nights, at least currently or lately, they've they've been getting chances. They just haven't been getting the right chances. Yeah, which seems very odd to say. Um, but I just feel like the options and whoever's choosing to shoot or not to shoot has been the wrong call um, for a good amount of times. I think the one that pops into mind. I think Kuznetsov like had the puck uh, basically like in the circle, and he just kind of stood there for a second and didn't know what to do with it. I think he ended up passing it, but there's just some situations where I feel like maybe they just aren't capitalizing when they're supposed to be and, and other times it seemed very you know surgical. John Carlson was in complete control of it. He knew where to go and now it just seems like they're a little scattered. Um, I think there were parts earlier in the year, maybe in the middle part, that Ovechkin was getting shot after shot after shot on the power play and goalies were just blocking it or players were you know jumping in and taking those block shots, so it just wasn't working, but that's kind of where I see them at right now. I don't think they need a complete overhaul, uh, but it's definitely getting to the point where I think everyone's just a little frustrated.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just to, just to kind of clarify, I know that some of the fans have been kind of at the, uh, the Blaine Forsyth, uh, you know, the, the, the Blaine Forsythe firing camp. Do, you, do you, <laughs> you, you, you don't see anything with that, right? You know, like, or do you actually, I'm kind of curious.
0: I personally don't see anything like that happening. I, I think it's hard because I think if the power play was actually that dire, I mean, at points last year, I think it was too, right? Like, I don't think it was all, you know, roses last year either. I think that change would have happened in the off season and clearly it didn't. And I think right now it's Laviolette has said kind of multiple times he's been happy with how it's doing, even though it's not producing, he's been happy with the chances. And um, I just think at this point, it's going to be all up to, I mean, the players on the ice, honestly. Um, the decisions that they're making and how they're executing. And in part it is personnel and who Laviola and foresight decide to kind of put out there. I mean, you can talk about the choice to maybe put Protus out there instead of a McMichael. Um, you know, Sprong wasn't out there a few times, but again, big guys have been out. What do you really do? You're just kind of scrambling. Yeah. So long answer, I don't think he's in trouble, but would it shock me if he's not here next year? Probably not. <laughs>
1: No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, it's, there's also something to the idea of not making even an assisting coaching change within a first place team. Right. You know, there, I think right. There's, there's probably, yeah, that seems, that seems a little, a little unlikely at this point, although I, I I would definitely expect, I think at least some kind of tactical adjustments or at least I would hope there would be some with a right. power play <laughs> that's now like almost the worst in the league, which is just crazy to say to me for the Washington Capitals.
0: Right. right. Yeah. And you just, I mean, overall, when you look at it, right, it's just like all the big guys who you think should be scoring and no one can really get it together. But it hasn't been. I don't think it's been like their zone entries or anything like that either. I no, I don't think really it has. Just,
1: That's been the weird part. Right. Because right. like,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's what it normally is.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. It's been strange. It's been strange. But we'll, we'll see. I guess, uh, you know, we'll, like they, they've had a few days of practice and uh, I guess we'll assuming they have a, I I would guess they'll have a full, assuming Backstrom is back and Oshie is back, which I guess, you know, who knows, but uh, if they are back, then they'll have their kind of full complement of five power play, you know, their five regulars on the power play, which, uh, you know, I think has also maybe been a factor, right? You know, they just haven't had any kind of stability in their power play, just in terms of personnel.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think they've only had one game. Uh, where their entire first power play unit was available, and I think that was the same game that they, for the first time all season, had all four of their centers. Yes. Um, yes. in the game, and then obviously everything happened with <laughs> Eller getting sick, and then Backstrom getting sick, and um, everything. So yeah, it's been a little bit crazy, but they've had no stability there. <laughs>
1: nope, they have not. They have not. All right, what's well, that? We're gonna take a break, and then on the other side, uh, I am going to ask Samantha about. Uh, Connor McMichael's ice time, because that's been, I think, a kind of cause number one among the Capitals fan base, and a few other questions. So, with that, stay tuned. Welcome back, Jay Pearson Radio. Still here with Samantha Powell. And uh, all right, Samantha, my my exact question that I wrote here on my little document is, uh, okay, seriously, what is going on with Connor McMichael's ice time? So, I, I ask you, okay, seriously, what is going on with Connor <laughs> McMichael's ice time?
0: I. I honestly think it just reminds me of a Verona situation um, or maybe even a sprung situation. I just think with McMichael, he is a younger player. I know Laviolette has played younger players in the lineup before. Obviously McMichael isn't out, right? He's not a healthy scratch. Yeah, he's still saying yeah. ice time. He's adjusted his role. I think maybe there's been a little bit of an adjustment period of trying to figure out if he's better at center or at wing. Um, I think for McMichael, it's probably easier at wing. I think he's kind of said to us that there's kind of less responsibility, right? At wing, it's kind of sure, freer. Sure. It's kind of like a T.J. Oshie situation. Like T.J. Oshie is by far and away better at wing, but he could play center. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think with McMichael, it's kind of like a McMichael-Protus situation of where do you put these guys? Protus has been at center. He's been at wing. But I think with Protus, he's, Laviolette just seems to like him a little bit more. Um, In the lineup, I think because of his size, his physicality, what he can do on the ice. And for some reason, McMichael just isn't seeing um, kind of that upped ice time that maybe fans and others believe he should be. I'm pretty sure analytics say that McMichael is pretty solid.
1: Yeah, oh he's um, been overall, I, yeah, I, yeah, he's been uh, okay. he just yeah, yes, yes, yes. He has he's been very, very good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like
0: just to clear, yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, everything kind of points to him as being, you know, doing everything he's supposed to do. Obviously, he gets shots and he gets chances in games. He, you know, contributes on the rush when he's with kind of these veteran guys. I mean, we've seen it when he's with Oshi or Sherry, like it seems like he's in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like down the stretch when it gets to it in the third period is when his ice time completely goes away. And that's why, for the most part, when you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game, that's why his shifts aren't up. That's why his minutes are down. There's just something about the third period or when the game is tight and when they're chasing that the coaching staff just does not feel comfortable with them with. Um, Maybe that's just age. Maybe that's defensively. I think that reminds me of a Daniel Sprong. Obviously, the coaching staff, knows what he can do offensively, but they're still trying to work on that 200 foot game. And that's why he's been a healthy scratch um, a few times this season.
1: Do, do you think there's a kind of a long-term vision for how they want to handle McMichael? Cause I mean, I, I, to, to kind of, to kind of go back, uh, actually before you were on the beat, the thing that, that comes to my mind is, uh, Kuznetsov's 2014 season, the first season under Trotz, where, you know, he was playing on the fourth line at times, and then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of as the year ramped up, he started getting a little more responsibility. Do you do you see the Capitals as having kind of a long-term vision for how they want to handle this? Because, I mean, I, you know, from from my standpoint, from his development, you know, if you're going to play him six minutes a night, why not just put him in Hershey and let him pay, play double, triple that? So, I don't right. know, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, do you, do you see a vision for kind of where this is going?
0: I see no vision, which is a bad sign, Um, but (laughs) I, I do think keeping him up here is just, okay, we want him to get NHL time, right? We want to get him these minutes. We want to put him in these situations that maybe aren't the top, top situations, right? We give those to kind of the veteran guys that they really trust at this point in the season where they need to be collecting points and they need to come back and win some of these games that maybe have been on the fence so far. Um, I do think I'm just not sure if sending him back to Hershey is the right decision overall. Like, yes, he would be playing more minutes and he probably would be getting more of that confidence boost down there, but maybe it is time that they completely try to integrate him in the NHL. And that starts with, you know, his, albeit small, but like six to eight minutes a night. And then they just want to kind of see where it goes. Um, I think with him, there's probably more, I see more of a future maybe with him in the lineup versus Sprong, which maybe is right or not right to say. But I think at this point, it seems like there's a little bit more leeway for him. And I think if the coaching staff didn't have a trust in him, I don't think he would be playing um, in this lineup with some of these guys.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the, the comparison with Sprong is interesting, right? Because you would say if Daniel Sprong is not scoring goals, like kind of, you know, what's, what's the value he's really providing to the lineup? Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, McMichael, at least for for what it's worth, as I, I, I've i said this a couple other places, too, that he he crashes the net more than I thought. And it's kind of been interesting that for whatever reason, it hasn't seemed to mesh with LaViolette's system because – you know, he does, it seems like, to me at least, a lot of things that a, you know, kind of NHL coach would like it from a rookie. Granted, there's been some defensive lapses. Every rookie has right. defensive lapses, right? But, like, I don't know. It's been interesting to me that he hasn't really kind of fit with what LaViolette wants so far.
0: No, I definitely think so. It is really weird that it feels like he's not the same mold of a player, like – I don't know, like even like a Connor Sherry yeah. um, or a Garnet Hathaway or some of these players that seemingly get a lot of praise from Laviolette. Um, Connor McMichael just never seems to be that guy um, that gets yeah. sort of that attention and that kind of attention to detail there. But yeah, for some reason, I'm not sure why it's not clicking, um, but it seems like with the limited time he has, you do see him on the ice, which is always good. And he does have your defensive lapses from time to time. But I'm not sure if more minutes is the right answer either. Um, You know, it could be just trial and error. Do you really want to give him, you know, 14, 15 minutes? Is that too much? Is that taking away from guys like, you know, the Alex Ovechkins of the world or even a line of like Sherry, Eller and Oshie. Um, So I I really think it's hit or miss. And I think we're really going to see where he belongs probably in the next, I would think 20 games. Yeah,
1: that's gonna be interesting. All right. Okay. All right, fans, uh, I've given you Connor McMichael time so be happy with me. Um, so uh, <laughs> I've probably given him more time than the capsule will give him in a game. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, I, I have a couple, couple more kind of questions here. Um, you wrote about Nick Jensen recently, and he's been a player that I've been interested in. Um, I, you know, because I think that there's an interesting kind of debate to be had about, you know, how much he's improved maybe the last couple of years versus maybe the caps just finding the right role for him. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to play aside from Dimitri Rolov and not really look good, I would say, but uh, I don't know, like you wrote about Jensen, like I'm kind of curious, do you think there's been tangible, like really big improvement in the last couple of years? And kind of what do you think is the root cause of that?
0: Yeah, I, I think with Jensen, it really comes down to, I think it's finding the right fit in the right role and kind of set the expectations of what he was coming in um, and what he currently is. I think, you know, I talked to Brian McCollum about him the other day and, you know, they signed him immediately to that four year, $10 million extension. And some people at the time were like, okay, that's a little weird. Um, You haven't even seen him. Like what's up with that? He really had an up and down season. You know, he was a healthy scratch at points. I think it was the 1920 season. And I think a lot of fans, his name was kind of thrown out at the deadline um, in 2020 of maybe the Caps are leaving him available. He's not really clicking. Um, and Been healthy the scratched, I think, a couple of
1: times. You know that, kind right? Of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Brian McClellan was basically saying, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of seemed like confidence-wise, the previous coaching staff just didn't really have as much confidence as Peter Laviolette does in Nick Jensen, um, and I think that plays a huge role in it of just giving him the flexibility and the leeway to kind of work in the system under LaViolette and how he operates. And I think honestly, the year with Chara probably did wonders for Nick Jensen. But
1: imagine Um,
0: so. You know, obviously anyone playing, it's kind of like an overlap situation, right? Anyone playing alongside Chara is going to have some type of boost, whether that's mentally or on the ice. And in Nick Jensen's case, it was both. And it helped the team overall. He was put in situations in the defensive zone and, you know, at the end of the game to kind of help the team overall. And it probably just helped after just a really, I think Todd Rudin described him as a work in progress in like 2019 and 20. So I I just think overall, he needed to find exactly his fit in Washington, what he wanted to do, what he was expected to do. And I think at this point, in his career with Orlov, you know, he's not a top pair defenseman. He is a top four defenseman, but I just remember a couple of years ago, we were even saying, should he even be in Washington, right? Like, should he, is he even good enough to be on the third pair? And now he's kind of a no doubt. Of course, he's going to be paired next to Orlov. He's a top four defenseman. He's going to average, you know, 19 plus minutes a night. He's going to play on the PK. So I just, I just personally, I think he's found his right fit. He's found his right role. He's obviously flashed the offensive power, but he's not, john carlson right no, he's not a <laughs> no but like, he's better i think with that than
1: then at least he was made fun of at first right exactly. like he's he had, he had not scored a goal i think it was for like an yes. insane amount of time and then, and then yeah. he it seems like you know every once in a while now he, he finds the back of the net
0: yeah exactly i i just think for him it's all about consistency um and it's if you don't notice him it's probably a good thing yeah. um and for him i think he knows that as well he was kind of saying the other day um He's like, you know what, if I can just go out, do my job, walk the blue line, like maybe, you know, walk past the forward or something and make a good play. Like, that's fine with me. Um, But (laughs) overall, he's like, I'm the last line of defense. Like, I want to be the guy that doesn't, you know, get blown past every game. And I feel like we haven't, at least me personally, I just can't remember a time where I'm like, oh, whoa, like that's a bad play from Nick Jensen. Whereas maybe I've said that about a Carlson um or
1: <laughs> someone like that oh so or for it, better or for worse I mean one of my favorite yeah. Washington Capitals no doubt but to be true orlov you know is a very like kind of high risk high event player mm-hmm. right but it's it's been interesting pairing him with Jensen who also moves really well that how, how just how well those two seem to fit together
0: yeah absolutely so I think for him it'll be interesting kind of moving forward where the Capitals see him I mean he's 31 this is his third year of his four-year deal so I'm kind of curious to see where it all goes but You know, ahead of him, you have a guy like Farivari who who really knows where his ceiling's at, but it seems like he's going to be in this league for a very, very long time. And how do they kind of work with that? But as for now, I just think Jensen works well in the six. And I think for the first time in a long time, people can say, okay, there's really no question marks there. Like there's a lot of other question marks around (laughs) this team.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, for, for better or for worse, it seems like the Caps have their six defensemen, and as long as they're healthy, there's uh, it, there's not really going to be a ton of room aside from them. So, uh, you know, I guess just just for those six, it would seem like having that stability just generally, obviously, the last few weeks aside, you know, has kind of done really just wonders for all of them.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, I think for sure, and you know, obviously, the blue lines had so many question marks coming into the season. Um, you know, overall, who's going to fit, where is this really going to work? Farivari can actually play question mark mm-hmm. um, that now I, I think it's worked better than they could have imagined.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, I have one more question for you at the end of this. Um. So you're, uh, you've been kind of, I guess, knee deep in, and we've all kind of had an education in the NHL's COVID response and kind of COVID protocols. And mm-hmm. I guess I'm kind of curious, like you, you, you have friends obviously, and, you know, work with other leagues, I guess, curious what you think about the NHL's kind of COVID response compared to, you know, what what you've seen kind of sports-wide, U.S. wide, you know, it seems like really, I mean, Omicron has been I think kind of a unique animal just in terms of just how transmissible it is. And then, you know, maybe it being a little less serious than the other ones, you know, you kind of say, okay, what exactly is the right response here? So I guess I'm kind of curious, how do you think, like, what do you think about what the league has done? What do you think about the league hasn't done? You know, I kind of, it seems like there's been a kind of jumbled mess, but I'm kind of curious if you have any logical sense of kind of what's been going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with the pause. Um, and how the NHL decided to do that. I think it was kind of a half-hearted rollout um, of trying to (laughs) postpone games one by one, instead of kind of just doing a blanket, let's stop the league for a week, reset everything for the winter classic situation. I think that might've been a smarter move overall, but you know, the opposite argument is Omicron. We didn't really know a lot about it. It was spreading really fast. No one really knew how to handle it. If you took three to four days, like the NHL did, would that really solve all your problems? Uh, no, as we've yeah, seen right now not. with games <laughs> still being postponed. And then, I mean, you have the other factor of Canada. Um, yeah. I mean, Canada is a really big factor right now of attendance. And, you know, obviously the NHL doesn't want to play games in Canada because of the revenue and they want to postpone those games towards the end of the season. But how do you do that when you're now, I think it's up to 90 plus games that you have to reschedule and you're trying to get everything done on time again. And it's kind of just a mess.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, at least I think luckily no players have been, you know, I guess seriously sick uh, in the last month or so, which has been good. It's been mild cases or asymptomatic. So from that standpoint, it seems like the league is handling that well, but I don't know. Personally, I, I think the league probably should have shut down for more than they did or at least done it earlier. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's hard because they went through COVID already for the last two seasons. They've, you know, lost billions in revenue. The teams have lost so much money. Um, but at the end of the day, players already kind of sacrificed the Olympics because of all these postponements, I think the least they could do is make sure that everyone's healthy and good to go instead of kind of half playing games with taxi squads and yes. guys from the AHL and even the names on the list today. I mean, Tarasenko was on the list today. Yeah. Um, for the blues. And it just seems like all these big names are having to come off for how many days and who knows how sick they are. And now with the flu and everything kind of thrown together is just seemingly a mess
1: yeah um, or i mean there's there's capitals that that are being called up who like i i keep touching to the team and i've just straight up never heard of like a hunter yeah. shepherd <laughs> right like yeah. you know it's like i've got no idea who that
0: is yes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's just kind of a weird year and it feels like at the end of the day like i feel like the last two scenes have kind of been you know asterisks right with covid of Oh, well, you know, the first one was shortened and you got a super shortened season. Now this season, how much does it count because of Omicron and and everyone kind of moving in and out? But now there's shortened quarantine periods in the U.S. of five days. And it just seems like another mess. And I'm not sure exactly when we're going to get out of it. (laughs) Um, But I think I think honestly, as long as the NHL has kind of the majority of, I guess you could say it's blessing from its players of how they're at least trying to handle it i think it's good i know a lot of players i think carter hart talked about it the other day of just how the protocol is ridiculous in general and how it doesn't make any sense but you can't just have i don't think you can just have players going out and who have tested positive right away and playing games so it's it's a hard balance and where i think everyone's still learning it's just kind of unfortunate that the nhl is kind of caught in the middle of it kind of again
1: (laughs) yeah and i think it seems like the 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 idea at this point is kind of just to muddle through it no
0: (laughs) yeah it's definitely play through with whoever you have and if that's only 10 forwards then i guess it's only 10 forwards
1: i guess so i guess so all right well it makes it makes it hard to kind of have any like idea of how to value these games just as me as an analyst and you as a beat writer so i guess we'll just i guess we'll just try to muddle through it too right i guess there's no no real other way
0: (laughs) exactly yeah we're just we're just kind of here just doing our jobs i guess and uh, seeing what happens every night
1: (laughs) there you go there you go all right uh well with that samantha this has been a blast uh it's nice to have you back on nice to have kind of back in this it's it's nice to kind of be back in the swing of things and i i guess the the only way that i could feel back in the swing of things with the podcast is to is to apparently have have you you have you appear on so uh, thanks thanks for being flexible and, and agreeing to come on again uh, where, where can people find you in your various uh various works
0: yeah everything um is usually on my twitter at samantha J. Powell, and then um at washingtonpost.com and yeah kind of like you said just wrote about nick jensen uh we'll have something on tom wilson probably in the next few days or so just about olympic stuff and you know he's about to hit 600 games um on friday against st louis i think he's the fifth fastest capitals player to do that um in the franchise and yeah so just kind of talk to tom about a lot of things talk to joel ward about him so yeah that'll be out
1: <laughs> there you go that's exciting that's exciting all right uh and with that if you like the show please rate your subscribe review uh i feel bad saying you know please give us five stars given i was off the last couple of weeks but uh hey i had a, a good reason <laughs> so there you go but uh yeah you can uh if you like uh the show, you can find it at, at Jay Radio on Twitter, and you can find me at, at GregY underscore JR, and you can find my writing whenever I do it, which uh, I'm hoping to have a couple of things out in the next couple of weeks, we'll see, uh, you can find that at jpersrink. So uh, with that, uh, we'll uh, I think we're going to have a normal show with Adam and I next week, so uh, look forward to that, and uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. <laughs>